Ideas are everywhere. Welcome to Lessons Learned in Marketing, the Phoenix Group Podcast. I'm your host, David Bellarive. Today, I'm talking with Les Holmland from Tourism Saskatchewan. Welcome to the podcast, Les. Hi, and thanks, David, for having me on. Um, first, for everyone, maybe just uh, could you tell us uh, who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, I'm Les Homeland, and my uh, title, uh, job title is Digital Marketing Consultant at Tourism Saskatchewan. Uh, Tourism Saskatchewan is a treasury board crown charged with uh, uh, two, two main things, attracting uh, tourists to Saskatchewan and helping support our industry in building compelling experiences. Uh, I am part of a three-person team in our digital marketing area and uh, we're responsible for our websites, our social media channels, social and search advertising, email newsletters, that kind of thing. So what, um, that's a good summary, thank you. So what kind of um, challenges do you face, I guess, as a province trying to attract visitors and um, how the digital space maybe helps you in that area? Well, many years ago, some of our forefathers had the bright idea to put the Trans-Canada Highway right through kind of the flattest part of the province. And so what has happened over time is that there's this misconception of a lot of people who are traveling across Canada that that's it to Saskatchewan mm -hmm. and really Saskatchewan is a very diverse landscape lots of diverse experiences most of the province is covered by forest and a lot of water nearly a hundred thousand lakes and rivers and so part of our challenge is trying to kind of battle those negative preconceptions that people might have if they're driving from Ontario to the mountains and trying to kind of scoot through. Um, and so uh, over the years, traditional uh, forms of advertising like print and television have, we made some headway there, but television is very expensive for anyone. And, and for us, we don't have, you know, as provincial destination marketing organizations go, we don't have the biggest budget in the world. Uh, so. In the sort of late 2000s, when social media started becoming uh, sort of a viable marketing tool, we, we waded in pretty quickly. Uh, we started observing what others were doing in the space, such as Destination Canada and Travel Alberta and, and others who were sort of leading the way. And we recognized an opportunity there to, um, to find cost-efficient ways of connecting with consumers and and you know, I think it was 2008 or 9 we sort of dove in with our first Facebook page and uh, like many of you know us back then weren't a hundred percent sure what we're doing sort of like now yeah. and uh, well, I think you guys know what you're doing uh, it's it's been a, a real adventure because uh, it changes social media by its nature each of the channels changes and then a new channel comes along and uh, you know presents other new opportunities and and so you need to learn what its capabilities are and as soon as you sort out what it can do it changes a little bit 
come often without warning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do that to you, especially yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> so what, um, what are you, uh, focusing on? Like, have do you guys, um, look at all the different social channels or do you limit your resources to specific ones? Uh, over the years we've, we've tried a few things and, and, you know, done a, you know, as much work as we can in terms of measuring it, the effectiveness of each sort of channel. And then we either put more resources into building that channel or if it's not working out, we back out because uh, even though there's relative cost efficiencies with using social media for marketing, it's HR intensive right. to be able to uh, do it properly because you can't just come in and out off and on, you need consistent uh, sort of output of content, and that's that's a, it's it's hard work. It's mm-hmm. it's it's constant work, and uh, we're you know active on Facebook and Twitter, um, 365 days a year, and other channels a few times a week. So it takes a, it takes a fair amount of work. So we. Um, we put that effort in as best we can with our sort of small team. Um, we started in Facebook with a general sort of Facebook page and have built that We're up to around 90,000 likes, likers, followers, I don't know. <laughs> um, and, and, and fishing, uh, that, that's for sort of general leisure and sort of general tourism activities. We're, we're active in the States only in uh, fishing and hunting marketing, uh, sort of big game fishing primarily. So we've got a dedicated fishing Facebook page that we use to pump out content there. And that's up around 30,000 likes. And many of those are Americans. Um, We've been active on Twitter for quite a while. It's got a smaller sort of following and, and you read in the news, is it, fading away is it good is it bad we've got about 30,000 followers on Twitter and what we find are um, the ones who are on there are quite like they're they're passionate about the platform so uh, it's not everyone's cup of tea but we still keep at it because the people who are on there uh, it's one of the ones that's really easy to share with uh, too so uh, to help uh, sort of amplify our message um, a few years back, Instagram came on the scene, and it's one of the ones that's mo- kind of most perfectly suited to tourism marketing. And uh, it's very visual. It's on your phone. It's while you're out experiencing things and sort of you know in the moment. And that's the, that kind of type of content is is you know really hard to come by uh, if you try to stage it or recreate it or whatever. So having uh, sort of an army of content creators out there grabbing those images for us or those videos. Um, and uh, one thing I find fascinating about this this time in, in sort of consumer relations is how willing people are to have us share their their content. Like, uh, we're, at first we were kind of, oh no, is somebody going to be sort of mad at us for for using this in some way, and uh, the opposite is true. People are, are, are almost all the time quite thrilled to have their image shared widely, and it really helps us out a lot. So, uh, so for 
for us, our, that's one of our main goals is content collection and curation and redistribution. So let's, um, maybe if I can talk about that a little bit, because that is interesting that I guess from my point of view, I was thinking, oh, well, if I took a nice picture and tourism shared it, I, that would validate me. And I'd feel, I'd feel fantastic. It'd be like, oh, awesome. They, you know, they really like that. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you find them? Um, a few different ways, primarily through search tools like hashtags. So, uh, and we used to do it sort of manually, like by manually using a computer, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> semantics there. Uh, but uh, we use a, a tool for uh, Twitter scheduling called Hootsuite. It also can search hashtags. So uh, we would look for search terms like Saskatchewan or hashtag Saskatchewan or the hashtag that we actively promote called ExploreSask. And um, so Hootsuite will scroll Twitter or Instagram for those tags and then our uh, search terms and then we just look at the stream and pick out what we need, what matches our brand, what supports our message. Um, and that, that, was, that was fine, but then as time went on, uh, other tools were being developed that not only did that kind of thing, but also provided um, uh, sort of an easy way for us to present that content on our website or on other um, other sort of formats in in term in, in like gallery format. Oh, okay. So or whatever. Collect, um, not collect them for you, but yeah, present them in a gallery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we've tried a few different tools over the years. We're we're settled on CrowdRiff right now, which does all the searching. We set up search terms in advance and. Uh, or for contests, for temporary sort of campaigns, or for our ongoing Explore SAS campaign, CrowdRiff pulls these images in, and uh, and then we just go through the process of curating what matches our brand, what supports our, our message at that time, and then we can use it on social media. We can embed a gallery on our website. In fact, many of the many of the uh, <laughs> sometimes we would regurgitate the content. <laughs> All right, so my dog just <laughs> threw up in the office. <laughs> Maybe we'll take a pause here. <laughs> I'm going to put in a little musical interlude there so people understand that <clears throat> that's the joy of having a pet-friendly <laughs> office. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that was awesome. you were talking about uh, CrowdRiff yeah. and and explaining how it helps us source content and distribute and distribute it. Um, the other feature, though, with, uh, that is valuable with CrowdRiff is per permissions management. So um, while it's it's fine in most cases for us to just identify. Uh, a great piece of content and share it. We always attribute the author and link back to the original post, which uh, most uh, most authors are, are fine with. But sometimes there's going to be uses that we want uh, that content. We want to use it in a different way, not just on social media. Maybe we want to use it uh, in a print piece. Maybe we want to oh, use okay. it in um, a video piece or a montage type thing. And at, And at that point, we need to get sort of a bit more rigor around the use of that uh, permissions for the use of that right, content. Yeah. So you need approvals. Yeah. So we 
we've set up uh, sort of two levels of um, permission seeking within CrowdRiff uh, that is uh, attached to some, some terms of use and we send out a link. When we identify a piece of content like that, we send out a link that says, please read these, we'd like to use this. Please look at the terms and if you agree, reply with a hashtag, which people have been doing. Oh, yeah. And then we've got a, a record of, of, of having sought and received permission to use that content. So um, that's been a valuable tool for us, and we are still, you know, it's our first year with it, and I'm still sort of getting the hang of it, but it's really helped us populate our website, helped us with our social feeds. and. It's a, well, <clears throat> I think a big part of that would be uh, it's a huge province, and like you said, uh, you have a not you have a limited budget, like everyone has, and this really gives you the ability to spider out right across the province and capture every great moment that that's happening. Absolutely, and 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 those moments often happen organically, sort of all over the province. But sometimes we have, you know, we are able to identify specific gaps in our content and a recent example of that is uh, great shots of rider fans uh, enjoying the new stadium not the old stadium mm -hmm. and also just in other sort of activities of life so uh, we um, recently partnered with the riders on a four-week Instagram contest and each of the four weeks was a sort of a different theme. Show us your rider pride while you're camping, your rider pride while you're at the new stadium and uh, just enter by hit, hit using these two hashtags, and at the end of the week, you'll be entered, you'll win a prize. And we just concluded that contest and got some great content that helped both the riders and us fill some, some content gaps there. So that's what I was gonna ask, and I guess you kind of answered it, but maybe there's other ways too of how do you fuel getting more content? Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I guess one way would be those partnerships where you're specifically trying to help each other out. Are there other ways or? Contesting work? Uh, contesting, we, we use sparingly, uh, although it is, it is effective, but we don't want to sort of burn out that particular venue. Uh, we just recently are in the process of, uh, or just recently completed a content strategy in our organization for marketing, consumer-facing marketing content. And part of the process of the implementation of that strategy is identifying our content needs going forward. So we're doing, you know, in the process of inventorying our existing video and written and still image content. And by doing that, we can see where our gaps are. And so once we identify gaps, we look at different ways of filling those gaps. And okay. sometimes it's going to be a big sort of video production and sometimes a cheap video production and oftentimes user-generated content. So that gives us direction. And... Um, that's really smart. Just can I ask a little bit about how, how you, you have uh, a huge content needs, probably more than most uh, companies or most industries. How do you inventory that? Like to say, oh, well, these are, uh, I don't even know where you start. Okay. How do you start? Do you identify uh, lakes or just some different um, pieces that yeah. you need or, and then how do you know if you have content or don't have content it, for it? It's a huge Never-ending process, really, and and you're right. It's it is daunting to try and get a handle on it across the board. 
Um, and so we're diving in with, with two feet. We've got uh, the consultant we hired to do our content strategy um, gave us sort of a, from their perspective, an outside perspective, a list of, of content articles or pieces that uh, we could start with. So we've started with that. And then we look into our you know, crowd riff galleries. We look into our uh, image gallery, which is a separate uh, collection of images to see what we have, what we don't have. Um, we've you know, we look through our B-roll and existing sort of video pieces. To so see how did they break down or how did you break down the, neat, the, the areas, I guess, that you look for to fill? Is it by audience or by, um, uh, I guess, uh, uh, what would you call them, assets? Like tourism yeah. assets? We're starting, we're starting primarily by audience. Okay. Uh, that's a good question because... Also, in the past couple of years, we spent a lot of time uh, and a lot of research on identifying our sort of target audience segments mm -hmm. and have come up with some, some really good specific uh, sort of uh, audience segments that mm -hmm. we know their tendencies, we know their interests and their likes, and we know that in Alberta, our, one of our you know, primary external markets, we're going to target this segment using this type of content and this segment using this type of content and um, and that helps drive what the content is because we want to match we want to curate and create content that will appeal to those segments so something like and i don't know if this is right or not but it'd be like camping okay so we have a whole group of people that like camping how much mm -hmm. content do we have around mm -hmm. that that connects to that that's yeah. sort of the thing you're you're creating an inventory of yes and 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 the way it sort of can break down into segments one of our both of our primary segments are interested in camping but one of them it's is it's, it's useful for us, according to the data, to include something mechanical in the content. So for example, one of our segments will be a nice tent, a nice sort of campsite. The other segment will be, it could be the same park, it could be the same lake, but it'll be an RV and maybe an ATV in the corner. Oh, okay, yeah. So that's how our segmentation helps us, helps drive the type of content that we go out and, and seek oh that's really interesting mm -hmm. yeah okay so that then then you're not at least you have or, or now i get it you have like a, a clear focus as to how these segments yep. are being or how this content's being inventoried and where you lack right yeah. and and again it was also daunting in, in terms of you know we ended up with three or four different audience segments and, and suggestions on how to write to them but we also noticed, or in our content strategy consultant noticed a lot of overlap between the segments. So we worked with the content strategy consultants to create personas, two personas. And what those are intended to do is to help us create content to the segments. So we use the personas to create the content, whether it's writing, uh, curating, whatever. And then we use the segments to target. And to, and to decide which channels. Do we go social advertising? Do we go TV? Do we go print? And uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting, and I hope a, we're sort of in the first kind of years of, 
of using it, uh, and it will be really interesting to see how effective it is. Yeah, so, and a persona would be just like sort of um, a description or a characterization of the heart of your target. So this yeah. is... Oh, we, we've given them names yeah, no, and yeah. personalities <laughs> and ages, and, and uh, it just it really does help our writers and, and other content collectors to have something in their mind when they're writing so they can write consistently. Well, and more personally, audience. I remember yeah. years ago I had a, I used to do radio and I had a program director and he brought in like literally a cardboard cutout of a person <laughs> and put it in the studio because you're in this little box and that is the person that you should be talking to. And that's very similar ideas that you have mm. a, a personification of who it is you're talking to because exactly. you don't see them every day. Yep. And yeah, exactly. And and we're, you know, taking efforts to make sure that it's not just our content creators that sort of understand, have an intimate understanding of the personas. We're doing training with our travel counselors, with uh, people in our industry development side when they're helping uh, businesses create experiences so that they understand our, oh, okay, yeah, the nature of our with... target market. Exactly. Yeah. So they all understand. Uh, what products appeal to those personas mm -hmm. and target markets. So it's, a, it, it's not just, while it's starting in the sort of marketing department, actually the effectiveness will hopefully filter across the whole organization. Oh, that's fascinating. One other thing I wanted to talk to you about was, um, and we, we talked about this the other day, was influencer marketing. And um, it's something I don't know many people are familiar with or even they probably heard the term but don't really know how it works. And I know it's uh, fairly, fairly well used in the tourism and destination marketing organizations where you would find someone who's, whether it's an Instagram um, uh, I guess a person, uh, what do you call them? An Instagrammer who has a great audience. Um, and you would, uh, invite them or they would ask you to come in and you would pay them or somehow, uh, uh, I guess, um, pay them, mm. um, to work with you and, mm. and deliver content to their audiences. Mm -hmm. Do you, does Tourism Saskatchewan use much of that or a little bit of that? Yeah, um, again, the, you know, content collection and curation is one side of social media for us. The other side is amplifying our message and having it come from other voices. So when somebody signs up to our, any of our accounts and shares something, you know, it's, it's originating with us, but it's not really coming from us. It's like an endorsement by the public. And and that same sort of principle applies to, to influencers. Even though they are compensated, they also bring a different perspective. It's not just everything coming from the tourism marketing agency. So there's a few different ways we use influencers, uh, right from big projects to one-offs, a two-day little trip, or whatever the case might be. Um, and you're right, it's, it's a matter of identifying uh, an influencer whose content fits our brand again, whose audience as much as possible fits our brand, but if it just so happens to be, or fits our target audiences, but if it's so happens, a lot of these influencers with, with huge followings have followers in the States, and we don't actively consumer market in the States, but <clears throat> that's kind of spillover, it doesn't really hurt, hurt matters either. So <clears throat> we have engaged um, uh, YouTube, Burs with large audiences, Instagrammers. Uh, we've 
partnered with, <coughs> uh, did a project this past year with a company called Matador Network. It's an international uh, travel lifestyle website that does content marketing all around the world. And um, we partnered internally in the province with uh, Prince Albert National Park and Tourism Saskatoon and Tourism Regina, and in return they got content pieces created by Matador Network through their voice. You know, we had an opportunity to correct facts and whatever, but it's their creative, it's their, um, it's their voice and shared with their audience. And so that really extends the reach of a place, an operation like Tourism Regina or Tourism Saskatoon mm -hmm. into, into audiences they might not otherwise get to uh, the other way we use influencers is we, uh, our team has spent a lot of time identifying local influencers whose activities and content match our activities and brand. And so we've reached out to them uh, through a program we're calling uh, Locals Know. And, uh, <clears throat> and so while we've been using their content and they've been fine with it, we wanted to solidify that relationship and acknowledge their contributions. So last year we had a couple of different weekends where we took four of those influencers up to Prince Albert National Park and four others down to Cypress Hills and they, you know, went crazy collecting content on that weekend. But then also we got them to write a blog post for later to submit to us and then, you know, that just sort of smooths the relationship and, and, and uh, allows us to keep, keep getting great content from these local creators who have their own niche audiences. Yeah, they really become, like any influencer, I guess, has really become its own uh, publication. They've collected their own audience and mm. that they connect with. So mm -hmm. when you can connect with them, it's uh, an authentic way. Because like you say, you really don't have editorial control or how much editorial control do you have? We try to stay hands off on that kind of a thing. I mean, <clears throat> and you know, these influencers are, are smart enough to not write a big negative article right. or whatever. Yeah. But um, but sometimes there is, you know, for one one example was uh, one influencer who was down in the southwest and he was going through grasslands. He wanted to upload something, and there's no connection, which is understandable. Yeah, uh, so he wrote that, so, <laughs> and that's as, sort of as negative as it gets. I mean, yeah. he got to the Dairy Queen later and was able to upload his video, and it was all fine. But really, the idea is to get it uh, for consumers to be able to hear it in a different voice, yeah. a similar message or a supporting message or even a slightly different message, as long as it's not contradictory to what we're trying to get out there and um, just to you know, keep people interested. Would, would there be any um, contract signed? Like, I would wonder about uh, to be like uh, illegal activity that they might start to or take part in or do something and, and share that and under the guise of, oh, you know, come to Saskatchewan and do this. Or, or is that just on faith and on their brand, that understanding that you... Well, we, we do have a, a formalized arrangement with any influencer or media person mm -hmm. we have a media program as well um, a travel media program um, that you know outlines mm -hmm. their obligations to us and ours to them and, and you know there's standard language in there about about 
the content and the nature of it, but it's not prescriptive yeah. right down to the detail. But no, it, we found it's necessary to have, you know, you're going to deliver this many posts and this many images we get to keep or whatever that might oh, be. Oh, yeah, sure that, that, that part as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, for the most part, though, for what you're talking about, we, you know, we either reach out or when we've been contacted by somebody, we we research their past, we research their history and make sure that they're a, a fit. Well, they fit, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do people approach you as well? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. And, uh, um, and, it, and that's good. Yeah. Um, not everyone's content matches our For sure, vision, yeah. so we're selective that way, and budget-wise, we're selective. You know, we've got but so probably in that selection, it really helps, again, coming back to what you were talking about earlier, is understanding this is clearly who we're targeting and, and the kind of messaging we want to send, yeah. and it gives you a good measurement or, um, I guess, sounding board against whether that person fits and absolutely. or not. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so now the big question is, after all these years, what kind of lessons have you learned less? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we just have found that, you know, social media marketing is, is, is sort of the 24-7 face of, of our organization, and it's, it's, it's been effective, and we will continue to concentrate on the on the channels that we see value from. Um, I've learned that um, that uh, it's you know there's a lot of pride in residents and expats and others uh, in this province that you can really see and feel through these channels, and it's, it really helps our our cause when we can share that pride and. And you know the beauty of the province that people don't get to see from the number one highway, and and uh, we we don't see us backing away or moving out of that space anytime soon. Uh, if anything, we'll, we'll as we always do, we'll keep an eye on other emerging channels to see what might fit and what might not, and. Um, Full, full speed ahead. Yeah. How do you how do you gauge whether it or, or when when a new channel comes out? Um, I don't know what Snapchat. You look at it. Do you dive in or do you just kind of join and? In watch? the early days, there's a lot of diving, <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then um, and then kind of finding we didn't have the time or the resources or it wasn't a great fit. Vine's yeah. an example. I don't know if you remember Vine. A six-second video format, yeah. but um, we wanted to one get the handle just in case it took off, like what Facebook sure, or yeah. something. And then uh, we fiddled around with it for a while, and then kind of it became dormant. And then Twitter killed it, and and so long Vine. And there's a lot of brands making use of Snapchat now, and we haven't really got our heads around how that works for our target audiences. Necessarily, we know that through our research that Facebook is the sort of one channel the monster, that, that, yeah. that goes across all of our segments, and and uh, and that Instagram is, is is sort of crucial to some of our segments as well. So, focusing our efforts on building those audiences and keeping them engaged. And, and so, how do we find Tourism Saskatchewan on Facebook, Instagram? On all those channels, where where can I go? 
You can go to Uncle Google. And <laughs> <laughs> Let me Google that for you, David. Yeah, that's so obvious. It's, uh, the, the handles do vary from, from channel to channel just based on what was available yeah. at the time. But if you go Tourism Saskatchewan Instagram, ours pops up at the top and so on and so forth through the channels. Twitter's easy. It's at Saskatchewan. Actually, uh, we started off with something else, at Sask Secrets. We named it after our newsletter. Oh, then, right. Uh, I'd noticed that this at Saskatchewan had been dormant for a, a number of years, and it had pictures of, like, Pilsner boxes on it. And, <laughs> and I approached Twitter and miraculously, you know, sort of proved that, you know, we would be a, a, pseudo, a, a much better place for that handle to live and they fixed it they, they wow they i've talked to many other people after who've tried to get dormant handles uh moved and have had no luck so i, I must have been just at the right yeah, person at the, the right time worth a shot though yeah <laughs> did you ever reach out to the owner of that or yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, no yeah luck but there. somebody had created it forgot about it whatever so hmm. anyway and then um, how can people get a hold of you if people wanted to uh, reach out to you less? Ah, uh, well. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you could call Tourism Saskatchewan and ask for me. Or on Twitter, I'm at Les Homeland. And maybe you'll spell my name out on the It will be on the, the show podcast. notes for sure. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, thanks very much for joining me. It's been, uh, as always, it's, it's super fascinating to hear what you guys are up to. So thank you. Thank much. you. Thank you.